The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum. Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this thing. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before, and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, we've we've gone back to straight audio. So be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh Bye. Okay, bye. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Okay, do you guys want to hear a story? I'll leave yeah. there's a car chase. There is not a car chase. Oh, well. well what the there hell. is a murder, though. Oh, that's good enough. Yeah, like that, that works. I like that. Sweet. Let's yeah. hear it. All right, you ready? Yeah. The victim was found dead at 6.30 a.m. December 1st, 1948, under a street lamp in Australia. That is all we know about this man. Hmm. That there's That's nothing all? else. That was a short That's story, I got to say. Wow, that was great. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, everybody, yeah. thank you for listening to her. <laughs> yeah. I have more information, but hmm. we should introduce ourselves first. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. I'm idea. Devin. I'm Steve. I'm Joe. So you want to hear more? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's all we know, really, about him, the man. Those, he was found dead. Those are the that's only it. facts about those him? Those are about him. Oh, okay, okay. So there's this mystery surrounding his death. So the first thing that was a little weird was that somebody called the authorities, obviously. They came and they took him away to do an autopsy. And the first thing they noticed that was weird was that all of the clothing identification marks, tags, etc., had been removed mm-hmm. from his suit and shirt and tie and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a little weird. Yeah. So not not a single label anywhere. Not a single label. What about his underwear? Not a single label. Really? Any of his underwear or any of his underwear and was, or and any of his clothes, clothes mm-hmm. for that matter. So then they did the autopsy. Okay. Which revealed that this guy was in exceptional health. He had a half digested pastry in his stomach. There was congestion to his brain and stomach that would have been consistent with poisoning except for that they tested his blood and there was no poison in his system at all. So he just or mysteriously died. Yes, and his spleen was three times too big. Okay. But that won't kill a man. Yeah, what causes uh, spleen enlargement? And brain and stomach congestion. Yeah, what causes that? I don't know, and nor do they. They eventually placed the jacket that he was wearing to America, but... It was weird because when they sent the dental records and fingerprints, it didn't match anyone who had lived there ever. And where was he found again? Australia. Where in Australia? The coach, uh, the Somerton Beach 
Yeah, where the, where the heck is that? <laughs> is it in Adelaide? Mm. Yes. So um, when they traced his clothes to America, does that mean they traced it to an American manufacturer or to an American tailor or what? American manufacturer. So they were, they were store-bought clothes. They weren't tailored. Yes. Okay. Upon further examination of his clothes, they found a secret pocket in his pants, which contained a little tiny scrap of paper with the words Taman Shrewd printed on it, um, which in, I think it's Arabic, means uh, finished or ended. Okay. They figured out that this was a last page from a book, a very rare translation of this book called The Ribiot. Rubiat. Rubiat of Omar Khayyam? Yes. That one? Okay. That one. But it, because I know how to say words. Okay. It was an extremely rare translation of that. Uh, so they, of course, did the logical thing and started an Australia-wide search for any and all of these translations of this book. Okay. Some guy, just some random guy, mentioned just after a couple months of this search going on, he said, oh, you know, I found... An exact copy of that book in the backseat of my car that was parked like two blocks away from where you guys found this guy. So they Weird, arrested, right? Yeah. So they arrested him? No. Oh, damn. So he brought, he brought his book. And he, they said, oh, we'll look into it. And the back page had been torn out, which was consistent because he had the back page in his little secret pocket. Okay. And they found this code written on the next back page. Okay. Now, this is a code that has been proven to be an actual code. They've decided that it is actually a code, coded message, but has never been solved. So they don't know what kind of cipher it is. They don't know the cipher. Mm. Okay. As far as anyone can tell, he made this cipher up okay. himself. But it's not long enough for them to get any patterns, to establish any patterns to be able to break this code. So, yeah, how many letters are in the message? I don't know. I mean, is it, is it 10 or is it 50 or is it a couple hundred or what? It's four lines. Four lines, okay. Four lines of text. Four it's, lines it's of a, text, It's yeah. a really simple cipher. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I think the problem is is that there's not enough of it. There's not enough of it. There's not enough of it to figure out what the key to the cipher is. Mm -hmm. So they don't know if it's a substitution or some yeah. crazy cipher. Sure. Yeah. You could probably figure out if a substitution cipher... A message you probably could, but it's probably a one-time pad, which is why they can't break it. Yeah. So and what is a one-time pad, Joe? Oh yeah, a one-time pad. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's like a one-time pad is when you uh, either generate a sequence of random numbers, or you use like a book or an, a newspaper article, whatever, and assign numbers to all those, and then say you you for every every number in your message or every letter in your message is converted to a number. So A is one, B is two, and then if you're using, say, a book, it's a one-time pad, you convert that into the same kind of numbers, add those to your characters, and then if somebody else has that same pad to translate it with, then it's not, it's not a substitution cipher. because it, it is a substitution cipher, but it's not like you're substituting a letter for another letter consistently. Yeah, not A yeah. for B. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, and so those are impossible to break, at least as far as I know. Maybe with modern supercomputers and, and, the, the, you know, and Google and everything like that, maybe you no. can... The, yeah, but one-time pads are impossible to break. People as recently as 2012 have tried to decipher this, and it, it's, it can't be done. Yeah, and yeah, and so it's a one-time pad. Obviously, the ruby out of Omar Khayyam is probably not the, the probably not the key. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Also, in the back of this book, there was a telephone number. It was an unlisted telephone number, 
belonging to a nurse who lived like 400 meters north, I'm sorry, 1,300 feet north of where the body was found. Okay. So, of course, the police go to investigate. And she says, oh, yeah, I owned a copy of that book. Uh, but in 1945, uh, at the Clifton Gardens Hotel in Sydney, I gave it to a lieutenant named Alfred Boxall because we were in love. Weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why is an unlisted number of years in the back of this? Okay, so maybe this is Alfred Boxer. Boxler. Boxall. It's one of those three things. She said that they were in love, um, but late 1948 a mystery man had uh asked her next door neighbor about her and nobody really knows who that was and that was just before this guy showed up obviously mm-hmm. so the, mis- um, the, the mystery man uh the mystery man then was that was that guy identified as being our dead body no yeah. so they showed her a picture of him on the slab. Mm-hmm. It wasn't gruesome. You can find this picture online easily. Mm-hmm. It just looks like he's sleeping. And she said, no, I don't know who that person is. But according to the detective, she was completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance that she was about to faint. Uh-huh. So she's lying, possibly. So they start thinking, all right, Boxel's the dead man. This is his copy. It all makes sense. That's why he's here. He was lieutenant in the army. He's mm. probably doing something kind of clandestine until Boxel shows up. Just out of the blue? No, he's working maintenance uh, in the Ranwick bus depot, which is, I think, not even in Australia. Um, I don't think so. so he showed up or they tracked him they down? They tracked him down. Yeah. And he still has his copy. Oh. The Rubiat. The it's, plot so thickens. Okay. The plot thickens. He still has his copy. And it's the same edition, obviously. And the last page is obviously still there. Okay. Um, but she had Sir written a handwritten a verse out. It was verse seventy on the front cover. It was the same thing. So what's with these people who do stuff like that? That's a good it's, question. It's, a, it's an extremely rare, probably valuable copy of this edition of this book, and you just write all over it, you know? Yeah, I mean, right? Well, is that is that a smart thing to do? No. Yeah. It was beautiful, the verse that she wrote. But why would you face a book like that? Librarians everywhere are cringing right now. Yeah, sorry for our librarian audience. I'm sure there's millions of you out there. Um, yeah. So in uh, March of 2009, a team led by a professor decided that they would crack the code by testing the body for DNA. Oh, yeah, that makes Smart, sense. Right? Yeah. Except for that none of the DNA of his body survived. Oh, well, really? I buried him. They actually exhumed the, the body? They exhumed the body, and it was just, yeah. uh, you know, he'd been buried and mm-hmm. decomposing. So th- and it was Oh, just they embalmed him, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, it makes it hard. that's what they do. You would think they'd be able to find a little DNA somewhere. You but, would think uh, that, would but think. they apparently couldn't. But they were going to use DNA to identify who he was? Yes. Yeah. They're going to try, at least. Yeah. Not that yeah. there were DNA records then, but they could maybe trace it to someone who was living now. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever. Um, additionally, this, sta- this same um, investigative team said that police had found that the packet of cigarettes that he had had different a different brand of cigarettes inside of the pack. And the police had originally said, 
oh, well, this is a common army like thing. You buy the one pack of expensive ones and then you buy a bunch of cheap ones and you just keep filling your expensive box with your cheap cigarettes so it looks like you're smoking more expensive cigarettes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Except for that the cigarettes that were in his box were more expensive than the box mm. cigarettes. Yeah. So they thought mm. maybe there had been some poison administered that way. Although, again, they never found any poison in his system. Mm. Okay. It was 1948, obviously. Techniques there's not as refined as we have today. And there's Yeah, there's the potential mm -hmm. that they just missed it. And then in 2011... A woman contacted some really sad cold case detective who's still assigned to this case because it's never been closed and said that she found an identification card of an H.C. Rentals, Reynolds that she had found in her father's possession. It was a document from the United States to foreign seamen giving, given during World War I. And they compared the photograph to the man who died. And it was almost identical. They said it was a it was a very good match. Uh, they shared a few unique identifiers within their face, and then their ears were the same. So the idea their ears, their ears. He had a if you look closely at these pictures, he had a genetic defect in that it made part of his ear larger than other parts of his ear, okay. like not like a normal ear, which is a genetic mutation found in like 2% of the population or something like that. Okay. It's incredibly uncommon. Okay. So that along with the fact that his face looked alike and... <clears throat> okay, that makes more sense. I got it. Okay. No, just random his ears. Might be like yeah. a great way to find like relatives of his. Of his. They thought that. Yeah. yeah. So they said, oh, okay, so this is probably this guy. Uh, the ID card was issued in um, February, on February 28th, 1918 to H.C. Reynolds. Uh, it gave his nationality as British and his age as 18. Uh, they did searches in the U.S. National Archives, the U.K. National Archives, and the Australian War Memorial Research Center, and they have failed to come up with any actual records of N.H.C. Reynolds. So it's a fake name or fake ID? or They're not sure. Okay. But it is this man's ID. So he, he looks, I mean, he died, this, this story, he died in 48, right? Mm -hmm. And the ID was issued in 1918, did mm -hmm. you say? So it's 30 years later. Uh-huh. He could have been mm. in the picture. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, it's all black dead. and white photos. It's all black so. and white. It's kind of bad quality. He could have been of that age. He also could have lied about his age mm. to get into the military. Although he was obviously lying about other things too, given that there's no record of him ever existing prior to this. What else did he lie yeah. about? Everything. Yeah, <laughs> lots, lots. So, so uh, again. So the case is still open. So, uh, so again, that ID was issued in 1918 mm -hmm. by the Brits, and they by had the, by the United States. Okay, and so and but but he was a British nationality, and he what said document? He was, it was one of those IDs they gave out during World War One when uh, people who lived other places would come and say, "I want to fight for the USA," and they'd uh, be like, "Okay, great, here's your ID." Okay, so so in other words, it was never documented that he was a, actually a Brit. No, okay. I mean you kind of assume that they would have done some research into that, but records maybe not. Right yeah, it was yeah. a time of war and things yeah. were kind of slipshod. Uh, yeah, yeah. So okay. So that's all. So I the know. guy gets saying. So, uh, but where was this ID issued? The U.S. In the U.S.? Yep. Hmm. So he shows up at our doorstep and we give him an ID. Hmm. Okay. Sound like today. No. <laughs> it's kind of similar, but... So that... how do we know that the the stuff that he wrote in the, the on the page that, that they found in his pocket 
It was just in his pants pocket, right? The, no, the last page of the book was in his pants pocket. Okay. He had written the cipher in the back of this book. Okay. Uh, so okay. ostensibly what happened is he had a copy of this book. He wrote his cipher out, tore out the last page, and threw it into the guy's car. I assume the guy's just left left his window open. Something, yeah. Something, because he didn't mm. know. It wasn't his copy. So, he yeah, obviously. He it in the back of his car. Obviously, he threw his coded message in the back of the wrong car. I guess. I guess. Well, and how, yeah. do, how do we know that the, it's a cipher and not just gibberish that somebody wrote down? There's been a lot of analysis about it by, like, real live code breakers. Mm-hmm. People have spent a lot of time okay. decoding it. And there are patterns... But not enough patterns to establish what letter it might be. There's repetition in that's indicative of it being English words. Okay. So it's based on the English language. It's based in some on way. they're assuming it's based on English. It may not be. It could for you know, it is entirely possible that he was just like a Russian who was like bored and deranged mm-hmm. and wrote just random gibberish down. Mm-hmm. But Entirely possible. You just think, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with somebody's head. I'm going to write this coded message and put it in the back of somebody's car, and then we'll have this eternal mystery about it. Yeah, and then I'll but, die. Yeah. I don't think he planned on that part. I don't think he did yeah. either. Yeah. 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 So, the, uh, yeah. so the, the clues all point to um, uh, this guy was either, say, Russian royalty. Mm. Um, He's the missing Princess Anastasia? Yeah, yeah something like is. that. Well, he looks pretty enough to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Has anybody like like checked out the Russian royal family to to find out like the, the czars to find out if any of them had that genetic anomaly? None of them did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it, they're it, they're pretty sure that it is this guy H. C. Reynolds, but no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the other the other possibility is that um, he was just it could have been just like infiltrated into America by another a foreign intelligence service. Yeah. With a bunch of money to pay agents, and he absconded with it. Sure. Which would explain why he was trying to hide hide his wealth by you know like taking the labels out of his out of his jackets and and putting expensive cigarettes in a cheap container, you know, and so just keeping a low profile that way. I mean, but it, why why did somebody kill him? That's uh-huh. uh, you know probably say let's let's say he's uh, let's say he's a, a Soviet. Let's say they eventually caught up with him. Because if you double cross those guys, they will. They will not. You know, eventually they'll find you. Probably. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, eventually yeah. they do. Yeah. I mean, in every Hollywood yeah. movie, they they get found out. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, that's entirely a possible thing. I don't know, but it's just speculation. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Good speculation. Yeah. So- the 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I did find, I don't know if you came across this when you were doing your research, but when I was brushing up on this, Mm -hmm. I did find one thing of somebody saying they might have figured out the cause of death. I don't know if you'd ever come across that. I have not ever come across that. Okay. So I did find, uh, let's see, this is in 1994 this came out. Guy by the name of John Phillips, who is the chairman of the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine. And he is saying that based on the details, it's likely that he died of digitalis. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, digitalis is known for engorging the organs prior to death. Now, digitalis, you're talking about the plant, right? Right. It's yeah. a member of the foxglove family. So yeah. it's, it's sure. a poison yeah. that people used to use as kind of a, an herbal remedy. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how it was supposed to be used, so they'd use it for heart issues or epilepsy or stuff like that, but they didn't understand the dosage. So they would typically end up killing people Uh unintentionally. And does it enlarge the spleen? It enlarges all of the organs. So, Uh well, but then the question is, why was only his spleen? Because your spleen is not the most sensitive of your organs. True. Why was his spleen the only one that was enlarged? So his spleen was the only. I, his I spleen was. Thought three I'd times seen something enlarged. said that more than just his spleen was in. No, enlarged. he had congestion of the heart and brain. Okay. But that's not in. I mean, that's not. No, no, that's that's not an engorgement sure. or enlargement at all. So, well, condition is, but uh, I I don't know. I mean, this is just something I came across and I found interesting. Now it's very interesting. It's fifty years later. Yeah. And some guy is saying, well. I just looked at the autopsy report, and this is what I say. So mm. who knows? Sure. It could have been just somebody, you know, surprise attacked him in an interview, and right. he threw out, you know, here's the answer to the Talman Shrewd. I mean, yeah, I and you kind of, you, I guess you assume that in a time when a lot of people are dying from an overdose of a thing, you as a coroner, as a coroner, yeah, uh, you might know what that looks like generally. You would think. You would think. We not. Mm, so sure. anyway. Oh, by the way, when they found the body, how uh, how long had he been dead? Just a couple. Of, I think he died. They said they he died in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. They found him at six thirty in the morning. Yeah. Ah, so the question is the coded message, the book. Why? So it seems to me that if he was taking a message somewhere to drop it off, mm-hmm. there was somebody, and he but discovered he was being followed. He probably wanted to ditch that to ditch that message. Sure. So the nearest car with an open window, he dropped it in. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's I, that's typical spy behavior. Yeah, yeah. Is get rid of all incriminating evidence. Ah, uh, yeah, so... So the other kind of interesting thing about this is that there are two cases that people talk about them maybe being linked. Really? Yes. Because this seems like a weird one-off. Yeah. It does, So you're it? saying there are two because other cases? Yes. Because right. so the there's so one, few details. The How? first one is the Marshall case that happened in June 1945. Okay. Where uh, a 34-year-old Singapore man, they knew he wasn't a mystery man. His name was uh, Joseph Saul Haim Marshall, was found dead. Wait, how many names did he have? A lot. Okay. (laughs) Joseph Saul Haim Marshall. Okay. Uh, He was found dead in Ashton Park in Sydney with an open copy of the Rubiat 
on his chest. Really? The same edition? Same edition. Found dead. His death was believed to be a suicide by poisoning. His was a so it was the the edition right before edition that was involved in this case. But no pages missing. No pages missing or anything like that. Hmm. But he died of poisoning. Did they say what he died of? Of su- he said he committed suicide, but what did he use? Did it say? They thought that it was self-inflicted, but they didn't say. Okay. Who? What? You know. I'm guessing this that one doesn't get as much notoriety. It doesn't. Yeah. And yeah. what what year did this happen? Forty five, nineteen forty five. Ah. An inquest was held. Gwyneth Dorothy Graham testified at this inquest that they had. And why did she testify? She was a witness. I'm not sure. There's okay. not really details on that. But she testified and was found uh dead thirteen days later, face down, naked, in a bath with her wrists slit. Hmm. Do they think that was suicide or do we know? I think they think it's like they think it's suicide like they think his death was a suicide. Okay. In that like in other words it was KGB. You say yeah. it's a suicide, right? Until you figure out what really happened and then change the story. But, but maybe if you never not. figure it out. Okay. Sure. So then uh the next one happened in June again, but this one in nineteen forty nine where the body of a two year old Clive was found uh in a sack. <laughs> In some sand hills, about 12 miles down the coast from uh, where they found the H.C. Reynolds, for purposes, we're just going to call him H.C. Reynolds, the guy from the first case. Okay. So very, very close. Lying next to him was his unconscious father. Uh, the father was taken to the hospital and was treated for exposure, and then they transferred him to a mental hospital. So he went crazy? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, his son died while he was right next to him in a bag or something. Had they been, like, out and about that day? They'd been missing for four days. Okay. Okay. They never were able to tell what killed Clive. This is another mystery death. They said it's it wasn't natural causes, but they don't know what killed him. Okay. The contents of his stomach were sent to the government for analysis, but never came back with anything solid, Mm -hmm. similar to H.C. The mother said that she was threatened by a masked man a couple days before her son died. Uh, She said, quote, the car stopped and a man with a khaki kerchief over his face told her to keep away from the police or else. Additionally, a similar, similar looking man had recently been seen lurking around the house. So somebody was stalking them while they were, while the other two were missing. Yep. But we don't know who they were. Nope. Weird. So what would be the tie-in to H.C. Reynolds exactly? Well, he, they were found very close to where he was found. Yeah. And very weird circumstances surrounding their death. That is weird. But but they weren't that close. I mean, they were, no. they were miles rather than feet away, right? 12 miles, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, you know. Yeah. On the coast of Sydney or yeah. the coast of Australia. Yeah. So... Not that many weird things happen, except in this one little area. Except for this one tiny little area. So, yeah. So did they ever find any of his possessions or anything else that he had left around? They found a brown suitcase. Okay. Um, It had been left in the railway station. It had been checked into the station coat room. You know, they do that sometimes. You come in on train, you mm. little layover. Yeah. So how how did they find it? That would be an interesting story in and of itself. Uh, They found it. 
like a month later. Mm -hmm. So it had just been there for a month. So they decided to report it to the police because Mm -hmm. that's what you do after a month. You know, nobody's come back for it. And it had been checked on November 30th, which was two days before. Two days? How many days are in November? 30. 30. One day before. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I assume they they completely went through everything with all the tags missing from all the clothes. Yeah. Yeah. He, they found a red checked dressing gown a si- that was size 7, red felt slippers, four 30 pairs- copies of the Ruby out of Omar Khayyam. <laughs> four pairs Sorry. of underwear, pajamas, shaving items, a light brown pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, an electrician's screwdriver, a table knife cut down into a short, star- sharp instrument, a pair of scissors with sharpened points, and a stenciling brush that was used um, by third officers on merchant ships for stenciling cargo. Oh, okay. Also in the suitcase was a thread card of Barber brand orange waxed thread of an unusual type, not available in Australia, that had been the same kind that was used to repair the lining of his secret pocket. His secret pocket? The secret pocket of his pants they found the little piece of paper in. Oh, okay. So it was used on his pants. Then... Again, all of the identification marks had been removed from uh, the clothing, except for they did find the name T. Keen on a tie uh, and Keen on a laundry bag and Keen on a singlet, along with some dry cleaning marks. So the name that that was found on the card that they think links him isn't the same name that was on some of the clothes that they found. Yes, they think that... The clothes with the tags left on had been left on on purpose to be misleading. Oh. Because they knew that Keen was not the dead man's name somehow. Mm. He's a sneaky spy. Mm. Sneaky spy. I think he might be a spy. That could be. Very, very weird. Yeah, that kind of fits with my theory, though, that the guy was a spy who obscanded with a bunch of phones. Is there anything that people that they can still use today to analyze? I mean, any of you know his clothes or the briefcase or any of that. I mean, can't that all be taken out of cold storage and and gone over with modern forensics? What would you gain from that? Well, they might find that piece of DNA or something that they couldn't see before when they just searched through, you know, imaging technology or anything like that. I'm just, I don't know. It seems like it's a cold case. It's got enough. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Media traction. Enough, yeah, enough interest, kind of traction that people would want to, you know, say, well, let's use the latest technology and see what we can see inside of things or analyze from it. So mm. I'm just curious. I mean, do we know what happened to any of the stuff that the that t- they took off of him? I don't okay. know what happened to any of that stuff. Okay. Since it's a still open cold case, I would assume that they did not get rid of it. But that could be a false assumption. Okay. I don't know how things work in Australia. <laughs> it's all the fosters. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I would. I would think that uh, the best way to to find out is to just ask the major intelligence services of the world. Because you know, I, I'm still guessing that he was a spy, either that or escaped royalty, but probably a spy. So probably the Russians or the Brits or even the Americans actually know who this guy is. Maybe. Yeah, they, they, I don't know. This, yeah. this one's just so weird. Yeah, but There's I, just so many odd missing pieces mm-hmm. to it. I mean, this weird cipher that there's no answer to. I mean, it could have been his grocery list for all we know. It could have been. It's mm-hmm. just so strange. And It could have just been yeah, entirely a ruse. I don't know who the hell knows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very yeah. odd. Yeah. 
But mm. so, uh, last question: Where he was found? Were there any rare bookstores nearby? Huh? No. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice try. Nice yeah. Try. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well, a mystery. I think, but again, I think probably the Russians or somebody can solve this mystery pretty handily. You think it's their spy? Uh, it's somebody's spy, probably. I mean, you know. I'm pro spy. I'm pro spy. Idea. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. Aliens. You think aliens? It's the aliens. You think aliens are everything. Aliens are my easy answer because I watch a lot of TV. I watch a lot of the History Channel. And the ancient aliens are the ones that are responsible. Well, on that note. Okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I think that uh, if you if somebody really seriously wanted to like uh, solve the mystery, uh, they've, they've a lot of the stuff, a lot of the KGB's files from you know, the past files and stuff have been, and a lot of our intercepts and our of, of, of all a lot of their coded stuff has been declassified. If you wanted to go dig through all that, you might be able to actually you know find out who this guy is. I'm not going to do it because that'd be a lot of work. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> if you're motivated you're though, lazy. yeah. Well. If you decide to do that, you should send us what you find. Yeah. Yeah. Via email. Yeah. Our email is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Mm. All of the information on this story, uh, plus probably some fun pictures of his face and the handwriting, are on thinkingsidewayspodcast.com, which is our website. So, yeah, I guess we'll uh, talk to you next week. Okay. Well, yeah, see you, everybody. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.